Gamification. What is it? How is it used? And how can using educational and motivational elements from gaming help to engage and retain employees and deliver tangible bottom-line benefits to the distribution center? From Manhattan Associates, this is Nucleus of Innovation, the retail and supply chain podcast where we tackle some of the hottest topics in the industry and learn how leaders are managing their supply chain challenges every day. I'm your host, Chris Shaw. Today, I'm joined by Peter Schnorbach. Peter's a product leader focused on labor management and employee engagement at Manhattan Associates. Welcome, Peter. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Uh, Thanks for having me on the podcast. So traditionally, when I think about labor management, you almost think of the carrot and the stick, right? And when you have resources that are coming in, we have a lot of times treated them really as an unending supply of resource, right, over the years. Yep. But that's really changed, hasn't it? Uh, our customers are really struggling with just plugging in a new resource every single time that, you know, someone leaves. And as the economy changes right now, aren't a lot more of them leaving? Well, yeah, that's exactly true. And with the low unemployment rate, with the millennials coming into the workforce, the gig economy, there's so many more options for people who, you know, want to work a similarly situated kind of occupation to warehousing. And so what's happening is there is a significant shortage that is happening within the distribution operation. And a lot of that is being driven by the changes within distribution itself. For example, the move to e-commerce, right? We used to move pallets and cases of goods. Now we're moving an undershirt for $5. Somebody has to go out into the warehouse. They have to pick that. They have to pack it. They have to ship it. It has to be received. You know, so there's just so much more work that needs to be done, and you have to have people to do that. So while we're experiencing a significant labor shortage in the industry, at the same time, we're also experiencing a huge increase in the demand for labor within the industry. Well, can we just throw more robots at it? It seems like everybody today, I mean, robot companies are just sprouting up left and right. In fact, we work with a lot of great robotics companies as part of our activities. Right. Can't we just throw more robots at it? You know, robotics certainly plays a role. And I think that in the long term, robotics will become a more and more important part of how we run our warehouses. But there are certain things today that are just limited by the technology available, even within robotics. So people are going to continue to remain an important part of a distribution operation. And as the demand for labor goes up, we can't displace that demand fast enough through robotics. So labor is still growing. The demand for labor is still growing faster than the ability to implement robotic solutions. So robotics will help, but no, it will not solve the problem. Right. Because I think when we when we look back, and this is something that we at Manhattan spend a lot of time talking about, is the, the augmented benefits of man and machine. The average two-year-old has the ability to stop and pick something up they drop. But it takes a whole lot of programming and design work to have a robot do that, right? Yep, that's exactly right. And so, you know, the people are still going to be around. And and I think that as operations shift to more of an each pick where you're picking, you know, a pen, a T-shirt, a kayak, a pair of shoes, you know, that's really difficult kinds of things for robots to, to perform. So as part of your research and what your team does for product development, You reach out all the time to experts around the industry, and I know you've been talking to people about behavioral sciences. Can you tell me a little bit about some of the people and some of the amazing conversations that you've had uh, with those individuals? 
When we started talking about gamification, we realized that it was an interesting concept and that the behavioral science would be an important part of the way that we develop our products. We also recognized that we were not experts in the field. So we started doing a lot of research, going out to LinkedIn, uh, just paying a lot of attention to what was being discussed in the field of employee engagement and gamification. And one of the names that kept popping up all the time was Dr. Carl Kapp who's the director of the Institute for Interactive Technologies at Bloomsburg University. He's also a noted and published expert in the area of gamification. So, you know, we, we vetted him and found that he was one of the experts in the field, and that's how we, you know, leveraged his expertise. For years and years within the distribution um, operation, the focus has really been on driving productivity. But the problem that our customers are facing today is, It's not just about productivity. It's about getting people to show up and work. So in terms of what we're trying to drive today, it's productivity, but it's also motivation and satisfaction. So, you know, we've done a lot of research around the industry, and we have discovered that new concepts like gamification and behavioral sciences are a big part of what's behind driving motivation and satisfaction. So, you know, we decided to go out and talk to one of the leading experts in the field and see what he had to say about it. So if you look at the literature, there's an overarching theory called self-determination theory, and it's a theory of motivation and people being successful. And the self-determination theory basically says that people are motivated by three elements, a combination of three elements. One is a sense of an autonomy, which means people can make their own decisions. So when you're playing a game, you can decide how you want to earn points or what you want to do to earn the most points. You might be down a narrow pathway, but you have some choices in that pathway. In a lot of work settings, you know, there's no choices. So gamification adds that little element of there. The second is a sense of relatedness or recognition. So if you are doing something well on your job, you want people to recognize it and not just um, you at the end of the day, but it's nice to have your peers recognize it, your managers recognize it. So gamification works into that as well. Then then finally, the element in self-determination theory is the sense of mastery. So we want to know in our lives that we're able to master tasks that are put in front of us. And in fact, when a task seems to be difficult, we break the task down into little pieces and we accomplish each part of that until we get to the larger task. Gamification really impacts that self sense of mastery. When it's done well, what happens is you take what the star performers do or what the standards are, you break those down in specific tasks, and you incentivize those tasks through the gamification elements. And what that does is it says, yeah, I can do that. And look, I got points for doing it. That's awesome. And now I'm recognized because I got this badge and now I'm going to do this. And so all those things add together using the self-determination theory to really motivate people in these gamified environments. Why do we need to explore what motivates us as humans? Is it just because when we think about warehouse jobs and a repetitive nature of that and lots of travel times as I walk up and down, historically, you've been motivated with I suppose, money or benefits or the job itself. But as you said, the job is becoming less valuable. They can find other work in other places. So how do we inspire someone to spend eight, nine, 10 hours doing the same thing over and over again? And and how does gamification and the introduction of those concepts help them feel more fulfilled in the things that they do? Yeah, that's a question that's becoming, you know, more and more important as time goes on. 
You know, people want to feel like they're a part of things, right? The theory of self-determination tells us that people want to feel autonomy, they want to feel mastery, and they want to feel connected to what's going on. You know, traditionally, most of the culture within a distribution center hasn't really driven any of that. It's all been about consistent, repeatable processes. You know, if you don't do it, we'll get rid of you and replace you with somebody else. But they can't get rid of you and replace you with somebody else now. So you really need to build a culture. And we've seen this within our customers. By far, the most successful cultures are those who reward their employees. Now, monetary rewards are a great solution to this problem, but they're expensive. And wages are already going up at an exorbitant pace within the industry. And what we have found, you know, by talking to people like Carl Kapp and by, you know, really digging into behavioral sciences is that, you don't necessarily need to pay the top wage in the industry to have the best workforce. What you really need is to have the best culture, right? You need to have a culture where your people feel, you know, happy to come to work every day. They feel like they're connected to their supervisors and to their peers. They feel like they're mastering, you know, the job that they're supposed to do. And so all of those kinds of things, you know, make up for, you know, maybe a little less wage if people feel really connected to what they're doing. And we see that with customers today. We just don't, there's never been a good way to sort of productize that for our customers. And, you know, that's what we intend to do. Okay. So let's talk about how that happens. So when we think of gamification, we think of motivation. A lot of people think of video games, right? Uh, But of course, games have been around forever. But when we do look at the experience in the warehouse, in the distribution center, as I'm a person who's charged with picking or packing, and I have a, a tool, uh, most likely a digital tool these days that I'm going through and it's giving me guidance and the things that I need to do, how do those gamification techniques come to life? Give us some examples of how your team is embedding those philosophies and how they manifest themselves in the tool itself. Well, let's just talk about you know some of the sort of the what ifs, right? Today, if I'm a picker in the warehouse, there's really no way for me to receive feedback as I'm doing my job. What if I got a message, you know, every hour or two telling me that I'm doing a good job or telling me that I'm, I'm not doing a good job, right? What if my supervisor was able to message me and tell me that, hey, you just completed a challenge, congratulations. What if I had full transparency to what I'm doing? Right. So these are things that sound like so basic. Right. We all walk around every day with our phones and have access to tons of information. When you go to work, particularly within a warehouse, you don't get any of that. So transparency, connectedness, you know, autonomy. I mean, these are the things that you're going to hear us talking about a lot lately, but these don't exist in a warehouse today. And we believe that by building those concepts into our products to create a converged experience between what our products do and engaging the employee that we can really drive that culture. And I think that's super important to make sure that those things are unified, that I'm not using two different devices, that I don't have two different tools. I might as well at that point be walking over and looking at the billboard to see what the update from yesterday on performance and how my team's doing against another team. What sounds like you're saying is we're tapping into our innate desire to win, to win whether we're competing against another team, another individual, or even records that may be challenges that have been set for ourselves. We're trying to best the best ever we've had. It reminds me a little bit of watching my kid play Mario Kart, racing against the ghost version of himself, trying to beat, you know, his best lap time. Right. Obviously, they're not going to sit there and play video games, but it's really using that exact same desire to better and and to win just in their workforce, right? That's exactly right. And actually, Chris, Carl had a great point about that. 
I view gamification as a design affordance, not a technology affordance. So it's really how you design interactions and you design the motivational elements into what you're doing. So the interesting thing to me, I've been doing researching in games and like games literally go back thousands and thousands of years. So games have been motivational elements for people really since humans have roamed the earth. So it's not this, this isn't a new concept. And, and I'll bet some of the best employees in your organization have their own little games that they make up to do things, right? They say, okay, I'm going to do these next five things in the next 30 minutes and boom, go. You know, so people use games to motivate themselves and they're not video games at all. The fastest growing segment of people playing games are women over the age of 40. They're not playing Assassin's Creed or that kind of game, but they're playing quick little games on their phone. They can play, get in and get out, right? So even people say, oh, I don't play games. And then you say, well, what do you have on your phone? Oh, I have uh, Bejeweled or, oh, I have Candy Crush. Well, that that's a game, but they don't think of it as a game because it's kind of a, a distraction that they do. But by no means does it need to be video games. A lot of people and companies are starting to put those elements into their software products so that it is part of a larger engagement strategy. And it's important to keep in mind that you can't just put it into software and then poof, everybody's going to be magically engaged. It's a process, gamification. So there's intrinsic and extrinsic motivation. Intrinsic motivation is what you want to do because you want to do it. You want to accomplish it. Extrinsic motivation is something somebody, you know, your paycheck or your points and that kind of stuff. And when we found the gamification works best is when you mix the two. So when you're at work, most people are already intrinsically motivated. They want to do a good job. They want to meet the goals. But sometimes they don't always know how to do it. Or sometimes, you know, we've all had good days and bad days. And the mixture of that extrinsic and intrinsic is really a great motivator to allow people to work toward the goals that they already know that they should be working toward, they already want to work toward, but doing it in a way that makes it more enjoyable, more interesting, a little bit more competitive, more engaging. So there's a lot of benefits that companies that are putting in gamification to their platforms are starting to see. You know, Chris, what we have found is that if you don't provide your employees with feedback, whether it's putting a report on a bulletin board, whether it's talking to them once a week, but the companies that don't provide any feedback at all have the most apathetic employees, you know, in the industry. People want feedback. Even bad golfers keep score. Everybody wants to know how they're doing. And to provide feedback is important, right? I keep track of, you know, when I run, right? I'm not a fast runner, but I just want to know, am I doing better or worse than I was doing yesterday? And, and that follows us to work. That follows us through our daily lives. And so I think that's what really drives employees. So by providing them with feedback, by providing them with transparency to what they're doing, we can really self-motivate employees and create a very engaged culture. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about why it works. And I know you had some great conversations with Carl and some of the other experts, but why does gamification work? Why do we want to win to begin with? Well, it really comes down to what are the core human elements that drive us in our daily lives. And again, it comes down to we all want to feel mastery over what we're doing. We want to feel autonomy so that we are independent and we want to feel connected, right? If we can create applications that drive 
those human feelings and those behaviors, then, you know, we can drive productivity, satisfaction, and motivation. So when we think about, you know, how are we going to design a picking app, right? We are starting to think about, well, how do we build features into our picking app that are going to drive those human behaviors without interfering with the job that the employee is doing? But how can we give them periodic reinforcement, periodic feedback, the ability to communicate with their peers and their supervisor? How do we build that into the overall products that we're creating for our customers? So with games recognized as almost second nature when it comes to human performance, what do you have to say to people who might still question the role of gamification and whether it's even worth pursuing or whether gamification might introduce safety issues? Well, you know, that's a great question, Chris. And Carl Cap had something to say about that as well. I've seen gamification actually used a lot around safety as well. So there are incentives, there are rewards, there are points, there are safety badges. So Gamification can really be working across an organization from safety to productivity and those types of elements very successfully. It gives people transparency into what they need to be doing. So there's no mystery about how you're going to be successful. If you accomplish these things, this is what's going to make it successful for you, successful from a safety perspective, an accuracy perspective, a corporate perspective. So all of that, when done well, really makes an impact on the organization. And, you know, because it is a little bit of elements from games does make it less tedious, more adventurous for the people, the employees who are doing it. So it's a, it's a win-win-win. So what's next? What's the next evolution of this? You know, where does it go from here? As these things become ingrained in part of it, what kind of performance improvements do we expect to see? I think we're going to see significant performance improvements. So, you know, we talk about today that if you go from, you know, really having no labor management program at all to a basic labor management program, you can save like 15%. If you go to full-blown engineering standards, you could be in the 25% range. And if you go to incentives, you could be in the 30 to 40. I think this adds at least another 20% onto that because I think today the best of class companies, they have a productive workforce. But I think very few companies have a workforce that is productive as well as motivated and satisfied. And I think that if you have a workforce that is all three of those things, yeah, I think we're talking about anywhere from 15 to 20% improvement easily. That's fantastic. And for an industry that is used to incremental improvements of 1%, 2 and 3%, 4%, and thinking that that is really making a difference, to talk about a new approach that gets you 20%, 30% improvement over the refined capabilities you've been already doing can really be a game changer. Yeah, I agree. And I think this is absolutely I think, a revolutionary approach to managing your workforce in the warehouse. This is not new. I mean, a lot of retailers are doing these kinds of things within their stores. Add to this things like flexible shift scheduling, letting people choose when they want to work. I think there is layers and layers of things that we can be doing with our customers to drive motivation, satisfaction, or productivity. So I think this is the tip of the iceberg. You know, I'm really excited about it because as the product manager for labor, I think there's just all kinds of things that we can be looking at in the future. And I'm really excited to start working on it. Yeah. And I think especially as we see the emergence of the millennial and those that follow them, that workforce, that focus on a gig economy, these kind of things are going to be more and more necessary for us to to keep them motivated and engaged. Thank you so much, Peter. Really appreciate it. It's fantastic yeah. uh, to learn about this. Sure. My pleasure. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for listening to Nucleus of Innovation. 
please subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Until next time, this is your host, Chris Shaw.